Welcome to the Word of Faith Sermon Podcast with Pastor Hagen Lister. Join in with us today, ready to grow in your knowledge of the Bible with practical application for your everyday life. If you're interested in following or learning more, join us on our Facebook page at WOFTX or check out our website at WOFTX.com for location and service times. Now here's Pastor Hagen with today's message. I want to talk about charting uh, your course in prayer, and this may even help in, in, in some of this. So in, in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the 6th verse, it says, he that comes to God must believe that he is, and so when we were just coming to God in prayer, uh, the first thing that we got to get out of, the, uh, out of there is, uh, I mean, off the bat there is, is that he is. It says right here that he that comes to God must believe that he is. Uh, and not only that he is, but he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So when we seek God, we have to know, first of all, that he's there. We've kind of solidified that, that, you know, I know there's times in everybody's life where you, you want to doubt or anything like that, but you've got you've to solidify that, that God is, and not only is he, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's a lot of times I think the enemy comes in to make you doubt when you're in prayer and God's not hearing you and when's the last time that you felt God and all these different things. Well, it's not really about feeling or anything like that. What, what we have to solidify is that God is, and not only that God is, uh, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I'll, I'll say things like that when I'm in prayer, especially if I'm beginning to, to have doubt. I'll say, no, uh, the word of God says that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I'm diligently seeking you, Lord. And if I've got shortcomings in the way that I diligently seek you, I thank you that you help me with my shortcomings. But I'm, I'm seeking you as diligently as I know how. And your word says that you're a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And so I'm seeking you, Father. And uh, your word says that uh, if any person knocks, Lord, that you'll open. Your word says that if any person draws near unto you, you draw near unto him. If we ask, Lord, you said that you would answer. And I, I, I just began to, um, not necessarily, I'm not, I'm not holding God to his word. You don't have to hold God to his word, but I'm reminding myself, I'm reminding my spirit man of what the word of God says so that the, the faith that I have in the word of God can overcome my fear and doubt. Amen? And uh, so it says, uh, Hebrews eleven six. he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so we should, we should have an expectation to receive from God when we seek him. Uh, we're, not, we're not going to necessarily always have our hand out, but we can expect to receive something from God when we go. Uh, without a hope or an expectation, we have nothing for faith really to attach to. And that's sometimes where, well, I, where I'll kind of get in there. I'll, I'll kind of take this, uh, I'm kind of like this as a person. You know, I, I don't, um, I never go to somebody expecting anything, right? And there's a lot of us, uh, you know, people like that, like, I don't want nothing, you know, and that's not bad. I'm not saying that, that you don't, you, you always go to God, uh, God, I need this and God, I need that, you know, that you do come to God and, and I just want to spend time with you, uh, uh, Father. And so that's good. But I'm talking about when you are in need and when you do uh, have a desire, you do have something, uh, maybe a direction in your life. You know, a lot of times we want to take the, the attitude of, well, just whatever God wants to do. Well, if that was the case, let me back up. A lot of people have this idea, God does what he wants to do when he wants to do it in our life. And God does what he's gonna do. He is completely sovereign. But how many you know the word of God says 
that he's not willing that any should perish. That's what the word of God says, right? He is not willing that any should perish. How many of you know people will perish? Is it God's will that they perish? It's not God's will that they perish. They will perish, not because God wanted it to happen, but also God is not going to just do that. He already has provided a way that they not perish, but they have to do what? Believe and receive. What do they have to believe? They have to believe in Jesus Christ. They have to believe in the work of the cross. They have to believe in the resurrection, and they have to believe that it's for them, right? That's what you had to do. If you're saved in here, that's what you had to do. And then you have to receive that salvation on your life, and that is how you do not perish. And we understand that, especially if we're saved in here today, which I pretty well know everybody in here and feel like if you're not, then you've pulled one, a fast one on me. You know, I think you are. But we'll believe that about that aspect of God, but when it comes to our, our life, when it comes to the plans of God for our life and all this other stuff, we kind of think that everything gets on auto, autopilot and it just happens. And yes, the word of God does say that all things work together for the good of those who love God and if you love God, but if you love God, you're seeking him out for your plan, his plans and his purposes for your life and you're seeking his word out to see what, are, what his plans and his promises are for every believer and you're believing them for them, right? And so that, that's kind of where I'm, I'm trying to get to. I'm not, I'm not saying that God can't do what he wants to do when he wants to do them, but I'm saying as a whole, if we weren't supposed to believe God and we weren't supposed to walk these things out, there would be nothing in the Bible about faith other than faith to get saved. But there's a lot in the Bible about faith to receive all these things, but a lot of times I think people get disappointed in what they have or what they don't have as believers, and I've, I've had that time from time to time. You know, I, I remember a time where, and I think it's just a growing, a growing thing as you're growing up spiritually, but I remember there for a while, I tithed, and um, I just... I just, I, it was on autopilot. I mean, I actually didn't even do it. Christy was the one that wrote the check. And, and, and I mean, as, as far as I know, we were tithing every week and, you know, and, and doing what we were supposed to do. But I never, I never stood on that. I just went through the motions of that. I just, we just tithed and we just tithed. And so I remember one time, uh, we never missed a, um, you know, we never missed a payment. We're never, ne never anything like that. But I'm sitting there asking God, why am I not seeing what I feel like the word of God says that when you're a tither, when you're a giver, I believe all that. I'm not, I'm not, not necessarily questioning that. I'm just, I'm asking where am I falling short on that? And I remember the Lord telling me, he said, well, um, he said, uh, there, you, you don't have any heart behind it. You just have action behind it. I'm like, what? He's like, when's the last time you actually actively stood there and believed me and, 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 and did this on purpose? And I was like, well, <laughs> I don't, my wife just writes the check and it just is in there. And, and he said, yeah, he said, you're, you're, you're tithing to me like you'd pay your car note. That's how the Lord speaks to me. He's like, you're not, when you tithe, you're not paying your car note. This is you as an act of worship, an act of honor of saying, God, I trust you in my finances. And so from then on, I didn't do, I mean, she still writes the check and all those things, but from then on, I, I will take time to say, Father, I, I honor you with this. I don't just go through the motions of this. I, I'm not giving grudgingly or of necessity, but Lord, I'm cheerful to do this. I'm happy to do this. And I'm so thankful, Lord, for what you have done in my life. And I'm not doing this to get or anything like that, but I also know that as I do this and I do this with the right heart, I thank you, your word says, the windows of heaven are opened up over my life. 
And I don't go through the motions of that anymore. And that just completely changed. And it's the same way about any kind of uh, receiving from God. You can't go through the motions of just uh, being a Christian and go, well, I, you know, God's just gonna do it if he wants to do it and not do it if he, want, if he doesn't wanna do it. If it's in the word of God, the Bible says that in, in him, his promises are yes and amen, meaning yes and so be it. And so uh, there may be some uh, particular things as far as you as a person uh, that it would be, um, you know, uh, something that, that the Lord would want for you and other things that he w wouldn't want for you. But as far as the things that are, that are uh, there in the word of God that uh, says are there for believers uh, and, and people who put their hope and their trust in God, then, then he's no respecter of person. You say, well, give me an example on that. Well, he's no respecter of person when it comes to uh, he, him wanting uh, you to, uh, to, to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. That's what the word of God says. He wishes above all things that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. So you can stand on that and you can receive that and say, Father, you know, and, 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 and we're not supposed to just believe and receive that when everything's going good. I think it's even more important when it's not going good. And you say, God, your word says you wish above all things that I prosper and be in health as my soul prospers. I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, either physically I'm not prospering, financially I'm not prospering, emotionally I'm not prospering. So I need some help right here and I need to know either where I went wrong or I need to begin to believe you that, that I'm, I'm prospering and I'm in health and confess that I'm prospering and, be, and in health as my soul is prospering, amen? So that's, that's a general thing that anybody and everybody that's a believer can grab a hold of and you can, you can have that in your life. What would be a specific thing? Well, a specific thing would be uh, something that is, is uh, more specific to your calling in life, what you're called to do. So the things that, that God would want me to believe him for uh, are, are different from what maybe God would want you to believe, believe him for. So like for me, uh, I'm, I'm a pastor and this is what I do. And, and I'm definitely not against him giving me 100 oil wells, but I'm not believing him for 100 oil wells. And the reason why is I'm not in oil business. Now, some of you guys are, and I'll believe God with you for, for 100 oil, but it's not, that, that doesn't concern me. If it concerns you, I can join with you and I can help you with that. But I'm not, I'm not gonna waste my time believing God for something that's not a part, well, I know that's not a part of God's plan for my life. Amen, does that make sense? But it may be a part of God's plan for you. And I think that's a lot of times where we get mixed up where people have said that you shouldn't pray for this or you shouldn't pray for that. Well, it, it, some things have got, it's none of your business. If the Lord has led them to believe God for these certain things and that's what they need to be believing God for and that's really between them and God, Amen. It'd be like a, a, a church coming to me that may be smaller or may be bigger and they, them telling us what we do or don't need to be believing God for. Well, there's things that are particular to here and what God wants us to do here that we may need to believe God for that a church down the road doesn't necessarily have to do, believe God for, amen? And so there, there, there are different things like that. Am I making any sense tonight? Okay, good. Maybe we just start another message. Um. Well, without a hope or an expectation, we have nothing for faith to attach to. Hebrews 11.1, 1. it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Of course, you guys, uh, at least most of you guys, I'm sure, have heard this scripture, you know, your whole life. But I, I want you to kind of take off your, um, you know, I've heard that a thousand time ears and, and put on new ears and hear it again. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, right now, in the present, faith is substance of things hoped for. So when you're in that process of hoping for something, where it turns into substance is when you begin to have faith for that thing. 
And you can, you can hope all you want, but until you begin to really grab a hold of it to the point where it's substance, then it, that's exactly what it is. It's hope. But faith gives substance to what you're hoping. You say, I, I don't understand what you're talking about there. Well, uh, what, the, the best way I can describe it is there's been times where we've believed God for certain things. And it started as a hope. And as it started as a hope, we began to talk about it. And as it started as a hope, we began to uh, go to God about this. Is, this. is this something we should pursue? And as we felt like it was something that God, that, that God said we should pursue it, then we began to confess. And when we began to confess that not only is it going to happen, but it has happened already, even though there's no material object, if you will. Um, so I was here when we were believing God for this building, right? Um, and then also when we were in, in Magnolia, we believed God for a building. They, they probably needed to have built a building 30 years before that, and they just they hadn't done it. And so we got there, and we began to believe God, and, and I felt like the Lord said we needed to build one. We began to build one, and, and uh, it started out as a hope because the hope was produced because there was a need, and the need was is that, that we were having a bottleneck in our youth, we were having a bottleneck in our kids, we were having a bottleneck in our, in our um, uh, fellowships. Everything was just getting too small. Good problem, but a problem nonetheless. So we began to say, uh, we need to build a youth facility. That's where it started. And as we began to say we need to build a youth facility and we were kind of trying to get, a, get on board with that and pray and, and ask God what we should do there, all of a sudden the fellowships began to get too crowded. So we thought, well... You know, we may need to build something that, that, that we could do, fellowships and kids. Well, then as we did that, our Sunday school classrooms started getting too small. So we started thinking, well, maybe we need to do something this uh, uh, Sunday school and fellowships. And, and before, before long, we had a building almost as big as this building, and, and we ended up doing two stories and, and all these things. Well, there was a point in time there where it went from a need to a hope for a need to be met to us confessing that that building was out there. And, and I would go so far, and I, I'm not doing this all naturally. I'm just, I'm just seeing, I'm saying, God, there's a building out there. Uh, it's exactly what we need. It's as big as what we need. It's paid for in Jesus' name. And we just began to confess that and believe that. And um, before long, there was substance there. And the substance didn't get there until we began to believe God and chart that thing out in faith. And what I mean by that is there was a point in time in there where there was no building out there. We had just started the giving campaign. There was no building out there. We might have started doing dirt work or something like that. But in my heart, that building was there. It was already there. I could walk out of my house, and we lived in the parsonage right, right next door, but I could walk out of my house, and I no longer looked over there at that empty uh, part of our, our, our lot there and, and tried to visualize a building there, it was there. It was as good as there. I, now, I couldn't go in it physically and I couldn't do anything in it physically, but as I walked past there, the building was already there. And so the day came that the building was completed and we were able to have our first thing in there and we're all excited and everything is good. But in my heart, this is almost like old news. I mean, I'm excited, but it's old news because it's been there for me for a year. What is that? Well, I let my hope go from, uh, uh, well, a need, go from a need to a hope, and then from hope to faith, and that faith was substance, it was as if it was already there. And, and, and that's how you receive the things of God in your own life, and, and then as a church, you know, when, we, when we're asking you to help us believe for stuff, and it's not just about material things, 
It, it, it would be the same thing uh, when we're, we're, I'm asking you to help us believe God for, for health and healing in, in Jenny's life and in anybody else's life. Then, then we're not just hoping. We're, we want to grab a hold of it in faith and see that healing, right? And we want to grab a hold of different things and we want to see this done in Jesus' name. Uh, another translation of Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us. That what we hope for is actually waiting on us. We're not waiting on it. It's waiting on us. Isn't that a good way to, to see that? That when we let our hope move into faith and we have substance, then that thing that we're believing God for, we're not waiting on it. So we think we're waiting on it. No, it's waiting for us. It's waiting on us to catch up to it. Amen? It all starts with a hope of an expectation. So where do we get our hope and our expectation from? This is very, very, very important. Um, because this is not a quote-unquote new teaching. Obviously, Jesus taught this. But what I mean is more, in more recent times. And in more recent times, this teaching that is very biblical that Jesus actually taught, that Paul taught, this teaching got over into the hands of people that, that, that went, and you guys probably all know it, and probably some people got accused of it or whatever, um, but it got lumped in with this name it and claim it stuff. And I think the reason why it did is because people were not getting their, their hope from the word of God and from prayer. They were getting their hope from some kind of greed or some kind of idea of what they wanted people to think that they were. And is that fair? I told you I, I talk honest whether it's about our group or about any other group. And I think that that's where everybody gets wrong because your expectation can't come from what you see happening in somebody else's life. And when people would, would, would get up and they would say, you know, uh, you know I, I tell you what, I, I wanted, you know, 17 Rolexes and this, that, and the other. And hey, if you want 17 Rolexes, that's your own business. But if your heart's desire is in the sum total of you believing God for something is so that you can have 17 Rolexes, I, don't, I mean, I'm not against them. I want one, but, you know, I could care less if, if ever it happens or not. I'm definitely not going to waste time believing God for them, you know. But I would see, guys, I'm just being honest, that they would use that as a way to show you how to, re but, but to me, that was, that's the petty stuff. That's the stuff that, as Jesus said, if you seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, all these things are added unto you. That's, that. that's the stuff that just kind of gets added. And like I said, I'm not against any of that stuff. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. But at the same time, they weren't getting their hope from the word of God. They weren't getting their hope from being in the presence of God. They were getting their hope and their desire from what they saw God doing or maybe even that person doing in their own life and going, I want that. I want that house, I want that car, I want this and I want that. And, and, and they began to get their hope from these outside sources. Well, that's not where we get our hope from. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So where do we get our hope? Where do we get our expectation from? Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Amplified says it this way. Faith comes from hearing what is told and what is heard comes by the preaching of the message concerning Christ. 
So faith comes from hearing what is told and what is heard comes by the preaching and the message concerning Christ. First Peter 1.3 says this, Blessed be the uh, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his uh, abundant mercy has begotten us again, watch this, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then Romans 8, 24 and 25 says this, for in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. What does he mean by that? Well, if, if um, you know, if I was sitting there going, well, I just hope one day we have 423 green padded chairs in this room. I'm just hoping one day that that will happen. You would go, open up your eyes because they're right here. There's no need to hope. So there's no need to hope for what you currently have. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So the only true hope comes by knowing what is available to you as a believer. So I'll say it like this. There's been times where I've been praying for something and I knew I didn't get that desire from the word of God and I knew I didn't get that desire from the Holy Spirit. I was, that was just something that I saw and that I wanted and you know what accompanied that? A lack of confidence. You know why? Because my desires were not coming from something that is rock solid like the word of God. And my hope and my desire was not coming from something that was pure like the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. My hope and my desire was coming from another place. And as I would try to pray for that, it was just like something, you know, uh, as, as one guy used to say all the time, it, it was like taking a shower with your socks on. It just didn't feel right. You know, I'm sitting there, you know, and everybody can immediately feel like, even imagine maybe what that feels like. Um, but... And I remember praying like that. But you know, when I'm praying something that I know what the word of God says about it, or I'm praying something that I know the Holy Spirit has brought to my attention, there is a confidence on the inside of you that goes, that thing just happened. Like it, I know the moment that it happened. I know the moment that I prayed, it happened. Now I'm catching up to it. It's waiting on me, but I know it happened. But there are other things that I have prayed for, or other things that I've desired, and I knew that I, that was just kind of coming, and, and I'll just be honest, maybe from a selfish desire. And, and, and I'll, I'll say this, there are some things about us being a, a, a human being, especially if they're right and that they're good and they're okay, um, that the Lord will, it's, it's okay to have some things that you just want, right? He says he gives you the desires of your heart. But here's the thing, your heart ought to be desiring what he desires, you know? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask what you will. You know, a lot of people just preach it, preach it that Jesus said, ask whatever you want to ask and he'll give it to you. No, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask what you will. The key thing is you're abiding in him and his words are in you. If his words are in you and you're desiring what he desires, then you, you really can't help but ask for what he desires. All of a sudden, you'll begin to see things the way he sees things, and you'll begin to say, hey, that's a need right there. God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step in, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna confess that that is done in Jesus' name. There's a hope there, and there, I see a need, and so that produces a hope in me, and so that I'm gonna begin to confess it in Jesus' name, and we're gonna have it, and it may, it may take a little while, but as far as I'm concerned, it's already here. It's already done. Amen? Is this making any sense? Good. 
Um, where was that? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes from hearing what is told and what uh, is heard comes by the preaching of the message. Um, Romans 15, four, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scripture, we might have hope. Let's read that again. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scripture, we might have hope. So the word of God uh, should be the fuel of our hope and our expectation. And uh, as a believer, you ought to have some expectations uh, and a promise from the word of God to back it up. You ought to have some expectations and a promise from the word of God to back it up. If, if, you're, if you don't have a, necessarily a prayer journal, and some people are, are, are a lot better at, at just putting things in their memory, and, and I do that from time to time, but also have, um, you know, I don't know if it's a typical prayer journal, uh, but it's, it's where I feel like uh, I get alone with God and I'm, I'm praying and I, and I feel like the Lord begins to show me or the Holy Spirit begins to show me things that I need to put my faith to. And as I do that, I write those things down and I write down the way the Holy Spirit would have me to pray for those things. And um, I love going back to that prayer journal and I love seeing how those things, the way we prayed them and everything like that. And I love see, seeing that, you know, months down the road, sometimes weeks, sometimes months, sometimes a year or so. And you look back and you go, oh, I, I prayed for that and I, and, and, and I knew it was going to get done. And it almost, uh, you know, I, I thanked God when it happened. But, um, you know, I, it was good to go back and see how many things were, were answered in that in that process, and there's been there's been things as simple as uh, believing God uh, for um, to be able to get Jackson a truck when he turned 16, and that was that, uh, that's a crazy story that I don't have time to uh, say tonight, but just extremely blessed on that. Uh, you know, right down to buildings for churches, down to uh, staff members, down to all kinds of different things, uh, health and healing, and and different things like that. But you know, when you're when you're going through those things. A lot of people just kind of want to, I'm just going to be a good person, God, and you just give me what you want to give me, and if good things come, then fine. If bad things come, then, you know, I'll just praise you anyway. And, you know, I mean, when bad things come, yeah, we're supposed to praise God anyway, but there is a way to chart out things in prayer where, where you're not um, just taking every uh, hit and every current that comes down the river. And, and yes, it happens unexpectedly. We always have, we all have unexpected things that happen to us. And, and, and that's, that's the world, that's the life, that's the, that's the place we live in right now. Uh, but we're not abandoned. We have the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. We have prayer. And we can, we can begin to believe God for those situations to turn around. Things that we didn't see coming. Things that kind of hit us out of, out of the blind side. But, but we also don't have to be blindsided by every single um, twist and turn uh, of our of our life, Amen. Um, so you can chart out your destination, out the destination uh, that your expectation through your expectation in prayer. Romans twelve twelve says, "Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer." Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. So there's a journey that has to be charted out between, and I wrote this, wrote this down, 
There's a journey that has to be charted out between the mainland of hope and the promised land of faith. There's a journey that has to be charted out between the mainland of hope. So when you're, on, you're on the mainland when you're in hope. But in between hope and the destination of the promise that you got through the word of God, that you got through prayer, there is, there is this journey and it's charted out in faith. And uh, I kind of put it like this, you know, any journey that you've ever been on, um, hopefully you charted it out first. Now, I'm one of these guys that, that, that sometimes I will not chart things out, especially if I'm going with somebody that I think knows the way. I can't tell you how many times we would get in the, um, uh, Pastor Chris was needing to go somewhere and he'd say, hey, we're gonna go wherever. And he's like, can you go with me? And, and I'd say, yeah, sure. And he was like, can you drive? Okay, sure. And I'd get in the church van and I'd start driving and he's talking and all of a sudden he goes, you know where you're going? I'm like, nope. He's like, did, you know, this is how long ago this was. He's like, do you have a map? Do you have an atlas? I'm like, nope. He's like, how are we gonna get, how do you get in the car and just go somewhere? I was like, well, you, I thought I was with you. And I thought you were gonna tell me. He's like, well, I don't know how to get there. And nobody charted it out. So then we're having to figure out, you know, where we're going. And of course, nowadays, that's not really that big of a deal. Uh, but anytime you've, you've been on a journey, uh, hopefully you charted it out, you know, and what I found out that sometimes uh, it doesn't even have to be a, a very big journey. It can be something uh, really small, especially if there's several ways to get there because you may not realize it, but uh, even if there's like two or three different ways to get, your, get to your job or to get to Walmart or something like that, a lot of times you'll even think, even if it's for a split second, you know, I think I'm gonna go this way this time instead of that way. Anybody ever do that? Well, you're charting something out. You have to, you have to chart uh, the, the journey out no matter how big or how small. And it's the same way uh, with spiritual things. But a lot of times people are just kind of floating around going, well, you know, whatever God's gonna do, I guess he's gonna do. And, and we don't realize that, no, God's got a plan for our life and it's our business to know what that plan is. And, if it, and the way we get to that place of doing what God's called us to do is, has a lot to do with our prayer time where we're charting that out so we know how to get there. And we know exactly, because it's, it's never a straight line. Has anybody figured out that following God and following God's plan is never a straight line? It's never even territory. It's, it's, it's never like that. It's actually very up up and very down, and it's not the fact that God's making it be that way for us, it's the fact that we live in a world that we live in, a fallen world, so there's ups and there's downs, and the, there's not just ups and downs, but, but a lot of times there's, there's, there's a lot of off-ramps and a lot of on-ramps, and so if I knew that, that Dallas was west, but I didn't know what off-ramps and what on-ramps to get on and off, and I just, I just drove, I'd, I'd drive right past it, or I'd get way off course. A lot of times people do that in their Christian life, they, they, they just drive, What's God telling you about your life? I don't know, I'm just driving. Well, did he tell you how far to go on this road before he, no, I'm just driving. I'm just driving. Sounds a whole lot like when me and you are in the car together, right? Christy will go, where are you going? The, the lady, she's got a British lady on her, Siri. She's like, the lady told you to get off on that offer. I'm like, I'm not listening to her. I'm like, well, why? I was like, I don't know. I just got tired of listening to her. So, you know, I'm just driving. A lot of times as Christians, that's what we're doing. We're just driving. And then we go, God, why am I lost? Why am I out here in the, because you're just driving. You weren't listening. You weren't, you weren't praying. You weren't charting things out. You're just, you just were driving. And, and, I, and I tried to tell you, but you weren't listening because you were listening to a whole bunch of other stuff. But, he, but hey, listen, I can get you right back where you need to be. If you listen, 
No, I'll just keep driving. I'll get there eventually. Isn't that kind of how things go a lot of times in our heart? But um, you have a hope to go somewhere, but between the desire and the reality, there has to be some charting, some planning, some preparing, some patience, and really some speaking it out. Um, in the natural, a lot of times we may chart out destination on a map or on a GPS in the spiritual, um, and, you, and then you, you chart these things out in prayer in, 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 uh, in the spiritual world. It starts with a hope to obtain something that the word of God says is yours and it's realized by believing and confessing that it's mine and that I have it now. Romans 5, 2, and 2 through 5 say this, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace. Through him, meaning Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. There's a lot of things I think that as modern Christians we don't like to hear. We want to hear, you know, blessings, prosperity, good times, no bad times. But listen to what Paul says. Through him, meaning Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace or favor in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. But more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. When we rejoice in our sufferings, we're not rejoicing that we're suffering. We're not, oh, thank God that you brought some suffering. But it means that our rejoicing doesn't stop when we're suffering. Most of the time when we're suffering, rejoicing stops, right? So it, it's not meaning that we're happy that we're in, a, in the moment of suffering, but what it does mean is that our rejoicing is not gonna stop even if we're suffering, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Knowing that, that if I'm suffering right now, I'm going to endure this, and the way that I'm going to endure this is I'm going to continue to rejoice, and I'm going to continue to believe God. And it produces endurance. And it says, and endurance produces character. I've noticed something about people that have never gone through anything, and I'm not saying that you've got to go through things. But people that have never made themselves go through things by believing God are real flaky. You ever notice that? They're, I mean, if it gets tough at all, they talk a big game until it gets tough. If it gets tough at all, they're out. They're done. They're not going to be standing beside you. They, uh, anybody ever had that guy that, that uh, has done everything but has never done anything? I've, I've met a few people like that. They'll come and they'll, I mean, I had one guy, he, he told me, I mean, he had done everything, had done everything, and just better than anybody else and all those things. And of course, I'd, you know, I've been around enough people to know, I was thinking, I don't know, time will tell. What I found out, not only had he not done much, I don't think he had ever done, I think everything that he said he had done, he had always just done in his head. I don't think he ever really did it in reality. And what I found out is, is that when, when things get tough, all of a sudden, 
you get though, oh, my stomach hurts. Or I, I, I was just tired. You know what I mean by that? You ever, you ever been around somebody like that that, it, that, that they'll stick with you until it gets tough and then all of a sudden they start trying to find excuses and different things like that? We had a, we had a guy, and I'm by no means bragging on myself. This is not about bragging on me. This is about exposing the weakness of this guy. But we were about in ninth grade and I was probably middle middle of the pack as far as concerning linemen. I was a lineman, and I was quick off the ball, but I was, size-wise, I was middle. And um, I remember this kid moved in, and he was a monster. He was ninth grade, and he was ripped like he had been to prison. I mean, just muscles everywhere, tall, just looked like an athlete. And guess who gets to go up against him right off the bat? Me. And I'm going, oh my gosh, he is going to kill me. And so I thought to myself, well, I mean, I guess I better give it all I got. So, I mean, I just, I th- I just fired off as hard as I could because I thought I'm, at least maybe, maybe I won't get put on my butt. And when I hit him, it was, he was soft as a pillow. I'm talking about I hit him, went to the ground and everything else. And I mean, before all that, he was talking trash and, you know, while he's putting his pads on and all this stuff. And... Listen, I'm not saying I was, I was good. I'm just saying he was soft. And as soon as I hit him and he went to the ground, all of a sudden, every practice, my stomach hurts, coach, my stomach hurts, coach, and all this stuff. There are, a lot of, there are loads of Christians out there. They ain't never gone through nothing. They've never made themselves go through anything. They crawl in a hole every time something happens. They never get any patience. They never get any endurance because they never choose to praise God and magnify God and bow their neck and get after it uh, when, when things get tough. They just go and hide when things get tough. And when they, get, when they hide when things get tough and their stomach hurts and this, that, and the other, you know, I was gonna come to church, but, and this, that, and the other. No, they, they're not producing anything on the inside of them. Because it got tough, and when it got tough, I'm going to find a hole and I'm going to hide in it. The Bible says we're not of those who draw back into perdition. That we're supposed to man up or woman up, however you want to do it. Not in ourselves, but in him. And when that happens, we've got to bow up and we have to go at it. Because it produces endurance and patience in us. And when it does that, it also produces character. And when it gets tough, you don't run. We understand that naturally. But a lot of times people don't understand that these natural things that we've learned also translate spiritually. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God more than that. We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. You know, believing is a fight. Believing sounds like a a real cute word, but believing is a fight. You're overcoming doubt and fear. You're overcoming unbelief. It is a fight. And it says right here, may the God of hope, this is Paul praying for the church at Rome. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in your believing. And what he's saying is, I know it's not easy to believe. Listen, take it from me. 
When I began to believe in Jesus Christ, they've tried to kill me. They've, they, I've been shipwrecked. I've gone through all those things. So I, I understand what it's like to stand and believe when everything is going on, uh, wrong around you. And he said, I'm, I'm praying that, that the God of hope will fill you with joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. A lot of everything I've talked about tonight has got to do with what you believe, what you expect, and what you confess, what comes out of your mouth. What you believe, what you expect, and what comes out of your mouth, what you confess. But if you'll notice, it's always in conjunction with the help from the Holy Spirit and his power. Don't leave him out. It's not all about you. You've got a big part to play of what you're hoping in, what you're believing, what you're expecting, what you're confessing. But Zechariah 4, 6 says, and you, probably, you guys can probably quote it, it's not by might, right? It's not by power, but it's by what? It's by my spirit, says the Lord. So that power to do those things, that's not your power. That's his power. But we've got to believe what the word of God says. And we've got to contend no matter what we're experiencing at the time to overcome that unbelief. But it's God's power that is gonna do it. He needs our willingness to believe and to confess what we're believing. But it's always his power. The Holy Spirit will help you pray. Uh, and he'll help you pray out, chart out his will for your life. And uh, last scripture here. Romans eight twenty six and 27. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Love this scripture. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And so you're, you're not alone in this. It's not like you have to... Um, you just have to cooperate. You just can't bow down. You just can't bow out. You just cooperate. And when you're cooperating with the word of God and you're cooperating with the spirit of God and you're not choosing to bow down to the circumstances in your life, but you're choosing to believe what the word says about that particular thing or that particular instance, then you may have a moment in there and that's that, that's that moment between the mainland of hope and the promised land that God wants to get you to and whatever he's promised you, whatever the word of God's promised you. That place of faith in there, that's where the fight is, that's where the battle is. And it's not fun. Nobody wants to really go through that, but we all want to have that promise. It feels better a lot of times to stay on the shore of hope and just go, well, I'm hoping, well, I'm hoping. Well, I'm hoping, but until you step off of hope and let hope turn into faith, then you're never really truly starting the journey. You're never really truly starting the journey to get there. And, and it's just like the children of Israel. Of course, we talked about that last week. But it's just like the children of Israel. You know, they sat in Egypt for years and years and years complaining, crying out to God, deliver us, deliver us, deliver us. So God's working so God miraculously delivers them 
through Moses. They watch the Egyptians completely devastated by plagues. They watch the, the Red Sea part. I'm always glad when I actually say Red Sea because most of the time I mess up and say Red River. They watch the Red Sea part. They get over there. They're getting fed. They're getting watered. They're getting, you know, shielded by the, uh, from the sun during the day and, and warm at night. I mean, all miraculous things. And they're hoping for this promise and they're hoping for this promise and, and God leads them right up to it. And they just couldn't believe that, that a God that, just, they, that they just witnessed do all the things they do would, could actually take care of a land full of giants too. And so they wandered around just hoping one day that somebody, something, maybe God would just deal with the giants and then he would tell them that the giants are dead and they could go over there. But God wanted them to trust him and go over there and face the giants, they, there was still some, a part for them to play. He had a plan. They just didn't trust him in the plan, and that whole generation had to die to where there was a generation that would trust him in the plan to get out of the desert and to get in the place that they should have been 40 years prior. And so that's a lot of times in our own life, we'll see God do things in our life, but then there's things that come along that no matter how many things we saw God do in our life, we, we somehow get into these other things and go, well, I don't know if we start trying to naturally explain how that probably was God, but also might have just happened anyway. But we get into other situations in our life, we go, I don't know, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. Even though you've seen God do so many things in your life and, and people around you, you get up to certain things and, and, you're, and you're, you wanna just shut down, you just wanna shut your faith down. I just want to encourage you tonight, don't shut your faith down. Don't shut your faith down. Don't shut your faith down because you're unsure of how this is going to happen. You can't figure it out in your mind. Don't shut your faith down because maybe you've had some circumstances and experiences in your life that don't match up to what God said or what anybody you've heard anybody preach. Because see, the word of God should not be dictated by what we've experienced in life or or what our current circumstance is. Because if, if the word of God is dictated by what our current circumstance is or what we've experienced in life that is, that is contrary to the word of God, then, then that means my circumstances and, and my, my experiences in life that are contrary to the word of God, then that means I'm saying that that's more true than this is. And it may be true that you went through that and it may be true that that happened to you, but we can never exchange what we've experienced in life we can never exchange what we're currently going through in life for the truth of the word of God. Amen? And so we have to, we have to stare in the face of our current circumstances. We have to stare in the face of, of our, our, our life experiences and go, you know, I know that happened to me or I know this is happening to me, but I also know that the word of God says this and I'm not going to accept what has happened to me or what is happening to me over the truth of the word of God. I'm not gonna explain it away I'm not gonna try to somehow figure out how this is true, yet this is true. I'm gonna say that this happened to me because I live in a world that has fallen. This happened to me because I live in a world where there's a thief who steals, kills, and destroys. 
But I also live in a world where Jesus has come and he has dominated death, hell, and the grave. I also live in a world in a dispensation where the blood of Jesus covers me. I also live in a world where he says that I have authority to trample over these things. I also live in a place in my life where, where I can take the word of God and take authority. So yeah, there's been some things happen to me and there's been some things that didn't go the way I thought they ought to go. But it doesn't mean that I'm gonna abandon the word of God and I'm gonna hold on to my experiences and hold on to my circumstances more than the truth of the word of God. Amen? And that's where we have to be every single day. That's the fight of faith. And it's a good fight, the Bible says. It's a good fight of faith. Amen? Stand up on your feet. I want to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you would like to help us increase our outreach, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so that we can bring the word of God to friends and family near you. Don't forget you can check out our location, other podcasts and service times on our website at woftx.com. If you're in the East Texas area, we'd love for you to stop by and join in for one of our services. We're glad you chose our podcast. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.